Welcome to the Church of the Redeemers Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will enjoy this week's service, and we hope that you will follow us at www.cotrb.org, and may God continue to bless you. Hallelujah. We love you, Jesus, and we won't stop praising you. Won't stop, can't stop, because you've been so good. Amen, somebody. Giving glory to God the Father, my creator. Giving glory to God the Son, my redeemer. Giving glory to God the Holy Spirit, my sustainer. Good morning, good morning, good morning, redeemer. Amen, somebody. I don't know about you, but I feel God. I know God's getting ready to do something. I tell you, I just want to thank God in advance. My, my, my. You know, I've been, I've been trying to get to Psalm 27, verse number one. I've really been trying. And uh, the Lord said, no, not this Sunday. And uh, as I was reading scripture two weeks ago, I was reading in Acts chapter 4, and as I was reading Acts chapter 4, the Lord was ministering to me, and he was really saying, you really can't read 4 without reading 3, because you need to know what happened in 3 to understand 4. And it just ministered to my soul in such a way that our text for this morning is Acts chapter 3, verses 1 to 7. Now, you probably won't shout yet, but you should shout somewhere before I get finished because of the way God has lined up the worship experience this morning. And I just thank him for his confirmation because so many times as a preacher, you don't know, am I where I'm supposed to be? Is this the text you want me to be? But the text has already been preached. Amen, somebody. Acts. Chapter 3, and it's so good to hear pages turning. Oh, me and my wife, we visited a church. It was last week, wasn't it? And uh, I felt so out of place. I was the only one that walked in the church with a Bible. I really did. Now, I understand you can get to the Word on your phone, but it, it was a unique experience, I'm telling you. All right, we should be at Acts chapter 3 by now. Amen. And as usual, if you just keep your Bible open, it's God's word that's going to do the preaching. And I just want to read verses 1 to 7, and I'll be reading out of the King James Version. And beginning in verse number 1, you'll find these words. It says, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, whom seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked for alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting 
to receive something from them. Verse number six. Then Peter said, silver and gold, I have none, but such as I have, I give thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Verse seven, he took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. Our focal verse is verse number six. Then Peter said, silver and gold, I have none. But such as I have, I give thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. I, I, I want to teach and preach a little bit this morning if I could around the subject, uh, the source of the power. The source of the power. Pray with me. Father, God, you know I need you. God, I need you. I need you to walk with me, God, this morning. I need you, God, to just hold my hand for a little while this morning. But Father, I need your spirit. I need your spirit to fall fresh on me. God, anoint me. Appoint me. Speak with my lips. God, take control of my mind. God, have your way in this preaching moment. Let us all hear from heaven and hear from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody ought to say amen. 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 Um, Eddie Glon Jr., who is the William S. Todd Professor of Religion, and he's also the chair of the Center for African American Studies at Princeton University. Uh, Glon wrote an essay that was published in the Huffington Post, and the title of the essay that Glon wrote was titled, The Black Church is Dead. Yeah, there ought to be some reaction from you. Now, now in this essay, Glon argues that despite the rich history of the black church, that Glon goes on to say that the black church has lost its power. Yeah, there ought to be some feedback from you. Yeah. Needless to say that the essay Oh, it set off a stormy, hairy, hot debate. Oh, it generated some rich conversations. For there were those, and I don't need to tell you where I stood, but there were those that disagreed with Glaw. But there were also those that praised Glaw for having the courage to speak the truth. Now, the black church has it lost its power? You see, in many churches, we are what they call post-resurrection, pre-Pentecostal. Let me break that down for you. You see, we're post-resurrection, where we've been to Calvary for pardon, but we're pre-Pentecostal, where we haven't been 
to Pentecost for power. Somebody ought to say amen. That's because there are some churches who have become theaters for performing arts. Some churches that forgot that we're supposed to be a hospital for the sick and not a social club for those that are in. There are churches that are closing. Membership and attendance is declining. There are some churches where instead of the preaching being prophetic, it's actually pathetic. There are some churches that spell the word prophet, P-R-O-F-I. Somebody's with me. Despite what Eddie Glorn has to say, despite what those who agree and disagree have to say, I come to you this morning with the question, I want to know what God's word has to say about the church and about the power that's in the church. All right, this, 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 this book of Acts, it gives us the historical insight, spiritual insight to the beginning of the Christian church. You see, it's in the book of Acts, beginning at chapter 1, down to verse number 8, that the church begins with power. For it says, ye shall receive power. Where my Bible readers at? And as we go to chapter number 2, chapter 2, the power continues. For Peter, on the day of Pentecost, Peter preaches a powerful sermon that 3,000 souls got saved and joined the church. I'm trying to tell you, the church had power. And we come to chapter number three, the pericope behind which we're about to expound on this morning. And we get to chapter number three. And when this power continues with the story about the lame man that was laid at the gates of the temple. Here in verse number two, we get a description of this lame man. The text says in verse number two that a certain man was lame from his mother's womb. My first point this morning is the person working with the letter P's today. The person. This man was lame from birth. In other words, he had a congenital birth defect. He had a continual defect where he was lame, crippled by no fault of his own. And we know from chapter number four, that this man was 40 years old. So for 40 years, he never walked. Being crippled from birth, his parents never had the privilege to watch their baby boy take his first couple steps. 
and play and run with the other kids. He just never had a normal childhood. This man's physical condition relates to our spiritual condition. Yeah, don't get quiet on me. For every one of us, from the pulpit to the door, we have something in common with this man. We all have a congenital birth defect. For we all were born in sin. The Bible says, in sin did my mother conceive me. Text says, a certain man. Ah, that means you can put your name in there. Because we all are lame from birth. We're lamed in some fashion, some form. Whether the lameness that we're experiencing, it could be physical, emotional, mental. And yes, we're all experiencing spiritual lameness due to Adam's sin. For it is the sin that's in our lives that's crippling us spiritually and often we wonder while being spiritually crippled we wonder why we can't walk with God because we're spiritually spiritually lame yes we're all crippled the world is crippled by sin let me ask you this morning, what area of your life are you crippled in for a sin that makes us all powerless? That's why we need to get to the source of the power. Somebody ought to say amen. Amen. Many of us go to other sources and they have no power. But today God wants us to know what is the source of the power. My second point this morning, they plan to work this hard today, is the place. Text says, verse number two, whom they lay daily at the gate of the temple called beautiful. Now due to the man's lameness, the text says he was carried to the date daily by his friends. Now this man might be lame but he sure enough wasn't stupid. For one would think that the best place to ask for alms, the best place to beg, the best place to ask for help would be the church house. Of course, y'all good church folk, y'all wouldn't walk past this lame, crippled man 
and not drop something in his cup. Matter of fact, let me take you back. Historically, in those days, the church was known for being benevolent. So he knew that those good church-going people going on Sunday, if they were going in and they didn't put nothing in his cup, he just prayed that they would have heard a word that when they came out, they would have put something in his cup. Text says, the place where they laid him was the gate called Beautiful. This gate was one of the outer gates of Herod's temple. It was the gate that was made of Corinthian brass. It was the most costly of all of the nine gates. You see, this gate called Beautiful was so heavy that it took 20 men to open and close the gate. And because the gate was so beautiful, some biblical scholars say this was the gate that the rich people would go through to go through the temple. So this beggar wasn't stupid. The place where he was was a strategic place. Notice, if you will, where they laid him. They laid him at the gate. Or should I say, they laid him at the foot of the church. In other words, they laid him at a church that had no power. Text says, they laid him there daily. And his situation had not changed. They laid him at a church void of power. They laid him at a church not connected to the source. Yes. You see, when a church is trapped in the trenches of tradition, it's not connected to the power. When a church is caught in the clutches of carnality, it is not connected to the power. See, you can have a pulpit, but you can't have power if you're not connected to the source. You can have all the symbols and have no substance if you're not connected to the power. You might get a little hope, but there's no Holy Ghost because you're not connected to the power. You can have laws and bylaws and have no love because you're not connected to the power. You can have a cross and have no Christ because you're not connected to the power. Woo! This, this church, the temple and all its rituals could help this lame man. Men and all their traditions couldn't help this lame man. Because it was not connected to the power. 
You know, when a church is connected to the power source, you know, when you see a church that is connected to the source of the power, it's a church where sinners are saved. It's a church where God is glorified. A church that's connected to the source of the power is a church where Christ is magnified, where the Holy Spirit is exemplified, where the redeemed is justified, where the devil is horrified. It's a church where you can feel the power of the Holy Ghost come down. Yes! Somebody all say amen. Amen. Let me, let me hurry. Get to my third and final point this morning. My third point this morning. And more specifically, my third point is power. But more specifically, the source of the power. The text, the text begins by telling us Peter and John, they were on their way to pray. And going on their way to pray, they had no idea how God was going to use them that particular day. That's another sermon for a different day. But when the beggar saw them and the beggar was asking of money, from these two preachers. In other words, the beggar was saying, can you help a brother out? Can you break me off a little something, something? So Peter said, listen, put your eyes on us. And the beggar gave them his eyes and he heeded, expecting to receive something from them. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in the position of the beggar, but I could see the beggar face light up just knowing they was going to drop something in his cup. He was expecting to receive silver and gold from at least one of these two preachers. He was expecting coins, but he wasn't expecting a cure. Peter said, silver and gold, I have none, but such as I have, I give thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Notice, notice if you will. Peter begins by emphasizing what he doesn't have instead of emphasizing what he does have. Peter says, silver and gold, I don't have. In other words, he said, listen, I don't have money for your means, but I've got mercy for your misery. 
I don't have pennies for your purse, but I have power for your purpose. I don't have cash for your cup, but I have Christ for your crisis. You see, a donation would leave him limping, but deliverance will set him free. Far, far too many of us, and I'll raise my hand, far too many of us think that a little more money is going to solve our problems. If I can just get a little bit more every month, everything will be all right. I just want to tell you that more money is not going to solve our problems. You see, money can buy you a car, but there's some places that it can't take you. Money can buy you a diamond, but it can't buy you love. Money can buy you a silly possipedic mattress, but it cannot give you a good night's sleep. Money can buy you a good pair of gators, but that don't mean you're going to walk right. Money can buy you a nice presidential Rolex, but it sure enough can't buy you more time. Money will buy you temporary happiness, but it will not give you eternal joy. There are some things money can't buy, but what I love about Jesus that Jesus can get me all the things that money can't buy. Yes, Jesus can get me more peace. Jesus can get me more joy. Jesus, Jesus. Woo! Peter said, Silver and gold, I have none. But such as I have, I give thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Notice, notice if you will. Peter, Peter makes it plain. He has no power in his name. Peter makes it plain what the source of the power is. Peter says, let me tell you where the power is going to come from. Peter is very specific where the source of the power lies. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Peter is saying that there's only one source of power that can fix your broken situation. There's only one source of power that can heal a broken world. There's only one name that can keep you and protect you. There's only 
one name that will preserve you and protect you. There's only one name that is the source of our power. Yeah. You see, Abraham was a great father of the nation, but there's no power in Abraham's name. Moses was a great liberator, but there's no power in Moses' name. Joshua was a great commander, but there's no power in Joshua's name. Esther was a brave soul, but there's no power in Esther's name. Deborah was a great judge, but there's no power in Deborah's name. Paul was a great apostle, but there's no power in his name. There's only one name that is the source of our power at the name of Jesus every knee has got to bow every tongue will confess that Jesus 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 to the glory of the Father you ought to shout that name. You ought to call that name. Call the name that is the true source of our power. For he is the King of Kings. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the Lord of Lords. He is the Everlasting Father. He is God all by himself. Mighty, mighty, mighty is our God. Somebody know him as a healer. Somebody know him as a deliverer. Somebody know him as a protector. Call that name. I can't hear you. Call that name. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's power, power, power in his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Power, yeah. They beat him all night. They hung him high. They stretched him wide. They dropped him low. For my sin and your sin he died. He stayed there all day Saturday, all day Friday. But early, 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 Sunday morning, he got up. He got up with all power, all power, all power in his hand. Woo! Jesus. Jesus, 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 the source of the power as we stand on our feet. Amen, somebody. Yeah.
Oftentimes, we ask the wrong questions. And even in theological circles, we ask the wrong question. The question is not, has the church lost its power? The question is, is the church still connected <laughs> to the source of the power? You see, power is not about a person. And power is not about a place. But power is in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. See, Peter points to the source of the power. So I would tell Eddie Glaude that any church that is connected to the power source that's in the name of Jesus Christ, that they are able to go out to a dying and a lost world and able to say, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up, rise up, get up and walk. Yes, church got power. Long as Jesus is the source, amen.